Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and website, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, and each week I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help encourage and inspire you wherever you're at on your journey. Before we start today's episode, I've got a quick question for you. Would you like to know how to make your home beautiful using what you've already got? Well, I've created a free ebook, Seven Days, Your Guide to Styling Success. And all you have to do to grab a free copy is go to nataliewalton.com forward slash the styling masterclass. Just fill out the form and you'll get it delivered direct to your inbox. I'll share how you can style your home in seven easy steps. There's one activity for every day of the week. Just go to nataliewalton.com forward slash the styling masterclass to download your free ebook. 
Hello, today I'm very excited to have Angie Wendricks on the podcast. I've been following her journey on Instagram at County Road Living for some time and I just love her aesthetic and the story that she shares on her feed and I thought that it would be really interesting to learn a little bit more about her backstory as well as get some tips on how she shows up on Instagram and styles and photographs her home. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Today, I'm really excited to have Angie on the podcast because I love your aesthetic and how you share your home and your story and your styling of photography on Instagram. And so I do want to get into your own journey in terms of your childhood and whether you were creative, but maybe we could just start with Instagram and how you came to be on there in the first place. So basically, I came to be on Instagram um, because we started documenting the house as we were building it. I, I started that just for fun, um, the, the process, because my husband and I basically finished the whole inside of our, ourselves of the house. And um, so I started taking pictures and documenting that and not even really thinking that anybody would be interested in following along. And the more we we got going with it the more people started you know being interested in it and i don't i'm not sure if it was because it was so small that people uh were were more interested in it because we weren't building a huge you know ginormous house we were building this little tiny house on this big piece of land so i think that might have had something to do with it but that's basically how i got going and my instagram kind of got rolling was basically starting uh the document this build yeah. And so were you, because obviously, like I said, I mean, the way that you style, not only just the way that you've created your home, but the way that you share it and style little moments within it is a big part, I think, of the appeal. Were you creative as a child? Was Is that something that's kind of been a thread in your journey? I, I was creative as a kid. I always liked to craft and color and draw and um make things and I love to paint when I was in uh, high school like my favorite classes were art classes the only classes I really got good grades in <laughs> because they're the only ones I really enjoyed doing so I did really like the creative side I always was doing things like that as a kid always and then what about then once you had finished high school did you then go into a creative career or what what was your your journey go into that because I, I left high school and I really was that person that did not know what they wanted to, to do. I really liked helping people and I really liked that. Um, I was a volunteer, like a candy striper in, in high school at the hospital. And I really liked that. So I thought, oh, you know, maybe like nursing or medical assisting or something is my path because I really didn't know. I was just not that person that went right out of high school and knew I was going into college and what I was going to do. So I did the medical assisting thing and started taking courses for nursing. And I did that for a couple of years and it, I just, uh, it wasn't really fulfilling. And a few years into that is kind of when I started at our older house, taking the photos and messing around with my phone and styling things. And that's kind of when I got in the groove of that and really felt that kind of passion kind of kicking in. Um, kind of strayed me away from the medical assisting part, even though I liked aspects of that, it wasn't like fulfilling that creative side of me. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I understand that. And I think that's one of the things that so many people can relate to is that, you know, the home is this opportunity to to experiment and sort of nurture your creativity. And it's, you know, it's right there in front of you. So it's easy as well and accessible. Um, and so what about like the homes that you grew up in as a child and sort of in those sort of early formative years? Is your style and aesthetic similar to the types of homes that you grew up in, or is it very different? Uh, yes, very different. So we live in the Midwest, so it's very brick ranch type style houses, lots of tans and browns and brown brick and neutral. And I grew up in a brick ranch house, um, pretty standard house for this area. Um, but my grandmother, uh, later on when I was in high school, moved out to Maryland, and she was around all these salt block houses and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, old colonial type with stone and shaker style. And I, I really loved that. It was so much different than the houses around in my area. So it, the aesthetic of my house is nothing like I grew up in at all. And, um, the house that we lived in before this was a brick ranch house, even though we remodeled it and we remodeled the kitchen and I brought kind of the look of my house now into that house. It, the outside looked nothing like, you know, when you walked in, when we were selling it, people were, would walk in and they'd say, this is not what I thought this house was going to look like when I walked in because they see brown brick ranch on the outside. They walk in, they see this white wood, you know, simple plain, like, not a 70s style ranch house at all. So yeah, nothing like this area at all. Very different. Yeah. And is that something that you've kind of had to not struggle with, but you've had to really have the confidence to go with your own personal style? Because particularly if you're living in an area where everybody's got a very particular aesthetic and you're kind of going against the grain, was that hard to sort of do that, particularly if you knew you were going to be selling the house as well? It was. It was very hard, especially when we built this house, because I, I remember, you know, a couple of different circumstances where people actually said, you know, like, you guys are, you know, that's weird. You guys are crazy. Like you're building a small house and it, it just doesn't fit the style of this area or, or, or what people are used to seeing, I think. So we did get kind of like, what are you doing? You know, this is strange, but it was what I really liked. Like I love the minimalist style. I love the Scandinavian style. And that was like, I just had to stay with that. I was like, this is what I like. This is my vision. And the, basically our house now is based, the square footage of our down, our downstairs is based off of the, the square footage of our living room, kitchen, dining room at our, at our old house. So that's where we got the square footage size of our, our main living area here was the square footage of that because that's the only space that we lived in. And we were like, well, this is this is the only space that we live in this house. Let's build a house just based on this size. So that's what we did. And uh, yeah, we got, we got a lot of crazy looks from people because it was just not, it's not the norm. And a, a tiny house is not the norm around here either. It's usually bigger, you know, huge house, huge garage, and our house is like the total opposite. So yeah, we got a lot of crazy looks, but um, we just pushed through it and, and I did what we really wanted to do which was build a small house. 
And and so what was what would you say was like the primary motivation for going for the smaller house? Was it just a, a kind of practical consideration in the sense that you had in your other home areas that you weren't using? Was it cost related? Um, was it just the feeling that you wanted to have of like feeling more intimate in your space? Or was maybe a combination of all of that? I think it would be a combination of all that. The main thing was that it was a financial thing where we wanted to have financial freedom. We wanted to be practical. So that those were basically two things we said to ourselves, you know, if anything ever happened to either one of us, we could go get a job anywhere and still live here and, you know, still stay in this house because we um, had the property for about six years. We had bought the property before we ever even built on it because we wanted to have basically a financial freedom when we moved here. And the size of the house was more practical for us because we could we saved a lot of cash and we paid a lot of debt off with our with the land and saved for things like the well and the sewer and all these extra costs you don't think about when you're building a house on a bare piece of property. So um, we didn't build for like six years and we just like kept, you know, throwing money at the payment of the property to pay off the property. And then we saved to put the well in and the driveway and the sewer and all these things that aren't fun about building the house. And uh, so it was definitely a financial freedom thing that, you know, when we moved here, we knew that we could stay in this house and not have a lot of debt. And if something ever happened, we would be, you know, okay. If ever something ever happened to his job or my job or something that we would be okay staying here. So that was a real motivation behind it. And we didn't use a lot of the space in our old, in our older house. It was just like we had, it was nice in a way to have that because, you know, you can stuff things here and in closets and then you're like, well, you know, I don't use that or I don't see that for two years. So I don't don't need that. So, you know, living in a smaller space, you're definitely more conscious of what you bring in because when you have more space, you're obviously, you're like, oh, I can have this and I can have that and I can stuff it in the closet. And then when I'm here, I'm like, oh, I don't have that luxury anymore. Um, but I don't mind that really because it just makes you more conscious of what you bring in to your space. But um, yeah, definitely, it was it was definitely I would say practical and financial thing for sure. To, to yeah, I think that's so interesting and, and kind of inspiring as well because obviously, like I said, you're really known for this very simple aesthetic, but behind it is also a very much a philosophy as well of, like you say, you know, you've paid off your debts, you, you know, you took this choice to sort of, to actually live simply within your financial life as well and not have perhaps the stress or the burden of, you know, sort of having a home that's too big. So it's not just that it's this aesthetic choice, but that it's also a kind of a a personal philosophy and life choice as well, which I think is, is really interesting. So tell me then about this decision there. So you decided to, you were saving, you had the land, and then you made that decision to transition to this smaller home. And I know one of the things that I really was drawn to when sort of reading some of your captions about your journey was this idea that you did really simplify. So you actually had to go through a process of, um, you know, getting rid of a lot of your things and moving into the small space. Can you share that experience and and what process? Because so many people really struggle with letting go. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear your take on the actual physical process that you went through, how you did it, and, and kind of the emotional and psychological decisions that you had to make. 
So that that part was actually easy for me because I am not an emotionally attached person to to stuff like um, photographs and a, a couple of things of my mom's or my grandma's. Uh, those are sentimental to me, but I'm not really sentimental about things. And I always find, so I always tell my husband, I always find something else I like. So I'm, I'm never really heartbroken about getting rid of something because I know if I go to an antique shop next week, I'm going to find something else that I like. And I just don't have that emotional connection, which I personally think that is why people get stuck with attics and garages full of things is because they have this emotional connection where they think that if they get rid of this thing or this, mem you know, this, this, object that the memory is gone and i just don't i just don't think that way i think that um you can still have the memory that you had without having the actual piece that that holds it like a cup or a bowl or a, something that your grandma gave you i i just don't have those connections to things and i think it cripples people sometimes because you end up with a bunch of stuff that you don't need you don't use and you know you don't even know where to go with that or what to do and i just i'm I sold a lot of the things that um, I thought at one time I would never sell, but I did. And it never bothered me. I never thought, oh, I wish I wouldn't have sold that or, oh, you know, I feel sad about that. I just don't have that um, emotional thing. Now, photographs and pictures that my mom and dad have gave me and of my grandparents and stuff, those are sentimental type things. I'll probably never get rid of things like that. But actual objects, furniture, things like that, it didn't bother me. and when we moved, we really just put everything on the driveway and said, okay, if there's doubles or triples of anything, it's got to go. So I don't need five cookie sheets. I don't need four muffin pans. I don't need, you know, I mean, there's obviously things that, you know, I'll always have double. I'm like, you know, I like mugs and I like bowls and I like linen. So there's like things that I'll never let go of like baskets and there's certain things I really love. But for the most part, um, we just went down to the bare necessities and like, if I don't use this and I don't look at this, I don't need this, you know, and it's so true with everything. I mean, if you just take that over into like every aspect of life and just minimize everything, it makes it so much easier. And do you think that's something that you've learned from your family? Like are your mom or your parents are they like that or was your grandma like that it's that something that you've learned do you think um, are they good at letting go or is this something just that's within you you know what's funny is i had uh, one set of grandparents that liked the things and my grandpa had a barn full of hubcaps and things like that and things he collected and then i have this other set of grandparents that were totally opposite and so I don't know, there's like a mixed thing going on there. So maybe I got this, like, I like to hold on to baskets and linens and coffee cups, but then other stuff I don't mind letting go of. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know because they, I had this mixed bag of that on both sides of my family. And um, I don't think that they were really emotionally attached to it. I think they just like to collect things and I'm not a collector of things. So it makes it a lot easier, I guess. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? Like, I'm just curious whether other people in your family, what they're like in terms of holding onto things or not. Um, I have a brother and he's four years older than me. And I don't think that he's emotionally attached to things like that either. Uh, we didn't really grow up. Um, you know, we, when we grew up, we were outside playing all the time. We, we weren't, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's so much different than it is today, the way we grew up. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. Cause even today, like I'm an outside person, he's an outside person. 
I'm a bird watcher, he's a bird watcher. So I think that we focus our energy on different things than, um, is, you know, things that in the house or buying things or stuff like that. So we're similar in that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is interesting. And what about then with your, um, with your partner? Like, so obviously this is something that I know a lot of people struggle with. One is that you both made the decision obviously to downsize. So how was he with that? Was he happy to downsize? And secondly, then kind of getting rid of the stuff as well. Is he good at, good at letting go? Uh, he is he I, I tease him and call him a hoarder because anything compared to me is a hoarder because I'm so the opposite so if he holds on to one box of thing I'm like you're becoming a hoarder just teasing him but he he does have a tendency to hold on to things and I tease him about it but he was fine with the house and he loves the house he was fine with downsizing his whole thing is as long as I get to have my barn one day and I have my toys and my motorcycles. I'm fine. I don't, you can do whatever. Like he was totally on board with it. The financial thing, we both discussed that. And, um, he likes the house like it is. He's, he likes the minimal simple and all that stuff. But as he was, because the, one of the big reasons we moved here with this big piece of property is because he always wanted to have a barn. So he was like, well, if I have my barn, everything I can fine. So it works out. Yeah, yeah, it's a happy compromise. Um, and so what about then in terms of, as you've mentioned, you know, you're very much drawn to sort of a simple, almost Scandinavian aesthetic. Is there someone that you really look up to or do you have sort of mentors either in your real life or just sort of, you know, I think that it's quite possible to have online mentors, people whose styles or interior designers that you're really drawn to, who, you know, who kind of informs your aesthetic? Is there anyone? There's, I, you know, I've thought about this and there's, I, I just can't say that there is, um, maybe there's a whole, um, way about our lifestyle thing that I, that I like, like I like the Scandinavian simple lifestyle and, and I follow a lot of those accounts on Instagram and I love that way of life, but there's no particular person in my personal life or, um, Online, I, I follow mostly Scandinavian Nordic type accounts, Australian accounts on Instagram because they are so simple. I love the style. I love their way of life. It's just so much different than here in the States. So um, there's just really not a specific thing. I don't know if I'm just naturally drawn to that because I'm just naturally a simple type of a person. Um, and I like my life simple. And I like my house simple. I don't like complications. So I think I'm just naturally drawn to the simple things in life, nature and, and animals and birds and things like that. Um, but yeah, there's just not really one particular person or. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it sounds like it's very much all filtered through your own personal aesthetic. And so I guess on that, you, you've touched on that you were working in the sort of the health industry. And then did you sort of segue into any other kind of career before now focusing more on photography and styling? Was there any kind of transitional period? There was actually. I, I mean, I, I always tell everybody I was like a jack of all trades. I've had every job there is probably because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And at the time, my husband was in the military and he was gone a lot. He was gone on weekends. He um, was deployed a, a few times. So I started cleaning houses because I thought, well, you know, I can have my own cleaning business. I'm, I'm home when he's home. We get to see each other and I can do whatever I want. I have this freedom. 
And it worked out for a really long time. I actually really liked it because I could, I could be by myself. I could do it when I wanted to do. And he, when he was home, I was home. So it worked out great, but it still didn't fulfill um, that, that creative side of me. But that, that did eventually segue into the photography and styling. When I started doing that at our other, excuse me, at our older house, when I would, you know, set up vignettes and things like that. And it just kind of morphed into this thing where I, you know, started taking pictures with my phone and I was like, Oh, I really like this. And I really like styling this and photographing this. And that's kind of how it all started. And then it just kind of ballooned when we moved into this house. Yeah. It's so funny because, um, I often kind of joke that obviously I've done a lot of interior styling for magazines and a big part of that is often tidying up and cleaning up people's mess. You know, you go into these homes and you get a brief and you get an address and you turn up and and the kitchen, and look, it's completely understandable because sometimes people have got young children and they've just got to get out of the house so that the photo shoot can happen. So it's literally sometimes wiping down kitchen bench tops. I've certainly cleaned out sinks and things like that. Like that can be, you know, a good part of, of styling, you know, before you style any space, it's got to be clean and tidy. So I can completely understand that well, that's, well, um, I, I really liked, I, I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I, I should say I really like it, but I, I enjoy cleaning my space. I enjoy getting things ready and a new slate. And it, it, I, I really like that part of it. So that part doesn't bother me. And you're right. It's, um, it's part of it because you're always rearranging things and moving things and, you know, moving it for a photo or you look at it and you take the picture and you move it again. So it's all part of that. Yeah, no, definitely. And so you're completely self-taught, aren't you, in terms of styling and photography? Is that right? Yes. Yes, yes, I am. I, I started at our older house um, when I started the playing around with the vignettes and styling, and I just used my phone. I had a basic iPhone, and I got really good at using the iPhone. I practiced all the time. I practiced with the angles. And, of course, you know, at the end of the day, it's still an iPhone. And uh, when we moved into this house and I started doing um, – you know, collaborations with companies, I was still using my phone. And I was like, they don't even know I'm using my phone. Like, I, this is crazy, you know, but then it, you know, kind of gets to the point where people will start wanting high resolution pictures. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? I don't, I mean, <laughs> you know, what, what is going on here? I'm just taking this with my phone. So, you know, I, ha I actually bought a camera and it sat in my closet for like a year because I was so intimidated by it. I, I was just like, I, I had known nothing about that. What am what am I going to do? I've been doing this with my phone, but you know, as it got bigger and you're doing a, a, a picture for a website or, you know, a, a, a social media brand, they don't want an iPhone photo. They want a camera photo. So yeah, it took me a year, a whole year to get my camera out of the closet. And, and my husband's like, are you ever going to use that camera? And I'm like, I'm, I'll get into it. I'm going <laughs> to, but it was, it was super intimidating for me because I, I'd never seen, picked up a camera before I had no idea what I was doing so it was just so much practice and um I never took any courses or or anything and watched a lot of YouTube videos called Canon uh Canon USA a lot and asked certain questions you know <laughs> trying to just figure it out but I would say that's one of my biggest accomplishments is learning that on my own yeah no it's I've still got a DL DLSR in my cupboard, so I completely understand. Uh, iPhone is just so much easier sometimes to use, and it's quick and convenient. But um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, what about then? Um, 
sharing on Instagram. Obviously, you know, you've spoken a little bit about the early days and you're just playing and practicing, but then there gets a point where I think you get to a certain skill level and you probably start to get a bit of momentum in terms of people following you and following your journey. And I think obviously the way that Instagram has evolved is that, you know, you have to be more intentional about the way that you show up and how you share can you just share a little bit about your journey with using Instagram and and how that's evolved and and how you approach turning up, you know, showing up on Instagram and and what you choose to share? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the one thing that I I try and I've done since day one is I've I've kept it really real on on my Instagram, even though you know there's there's beautiful pictures and there's flowers and all these things. Um, I learned a long time ago that one of my, my followers are like my people. They, I mean, some of my followers have been with me since I started my account. They know everything I've done. I mean, it's almost like, it sounds crazy, but it's almost like a friend, you know, cheering you on. And I, I think it's really because I, I've kept um, my life really, really um, open and real. I, even though I say, okay, this is this beautiful picture, but there's real life going on behind this picture that's not pretty, like those sad days. And sometimes the most beautiful picture comes from like the saddest day of your life, just because you're trying to, you know, pull yourself out of this space. So I think um, that that I've just tried to keep that, even though Instagram has evolved so much into this, I don't even know the word to use. I don't want to use the word fake, but it's very not real, it seems sometimes. You know, it's it's, it's not like it used to be when I started. And so I've just tried to stay the course and stay with what I started as. And that was just to keep it real, share, share my pictures, which is really why I'm there. I started to share because I just like taking pictures and I like to share them. That is really why I started because I enjoyed that so much. And I was like, oh, it's somebody else enjoys seeing my pictures. And then it kind of involved to, you know, I my dogs. People liked seeing my dogs. And and then Instagram stories started because Instagram stories weren't around when I first started. So then it evolved into the Instagram story. And I was like, then you can really have a conversation with somebody and talk to somebody and they can tell you. And, And I shared, you know, a big thing that's been in my life is my animals. I mean, everybody that follows me that's been there knows that I love animals and I've had the dogs and I shared the heartbreak of losing my dogs. And um, the heartbreak of losing my cats. And I have all these, you know, I have all these feral country cats now and people follow the journey on that. And I've, you know, I've, I've shared the really bad times about that. And I think people, you know, connect to that sometimes more than they do the pictures. Like I, I, the messages I get, um, on, on Instagram a lot are, I love your photos, but I stay for the cats or I'm not a cat person, but oh, wow, you've made me a cat person. It's, you know, it's because it's, it's like personal. I've tried so hard to keep it very personal because I feel like it's not personal anymore. It's more business and I'm not a business type of a person. So I don't even know how to do that. So it's to me, I, I don't even know if I could make that transition. Um, I just, I try to just stay true to, you know, even though it's hard, it's very hard because I always feel like I'm getting pulled because once you get to a certain amount of followers, I feel like you're getting pulled in this where you need to have a shop and you need to have this and you need to have that and you need to do these swipe ups. And it's just at the end of the day, I think, you know, that's just not what I want to do. And, And my husband always says, you just need to do what you started it for. And that was to share your pictures. And, you know, 
I get a lot of messages with, with, because I do share personal things on my stories about, you know, people will send me messages and say, I lost my dog today or my cat died or, you know, things that they feel connection because I, I try to keep that and I try to answer as many messages as I possibly can, even though sometimes it's very, very hard and it takes a long time to get to all the messages. But um, that's one thing I try really hard to do is keep that personal connection with my followers. Yeah. And so is, is your Instagram feed, I mean, has it evolved that it's, um, it earns you money or an income or is it purely more as a, as a sort of creative outlet? I mean, are you kind of earning a living from it? Yeah, it's both now. Um, I, I do, I don't advertise a lot on there. I do advertise on stories, but now I've, I've gotten to the point where I've, I have companies that do like word of mouth now or somebody else tells somebody and I'll get a job or I have a lot of regular photo jobs. Now I do um, like a lot of product photography. I don't share a lot of that on my Instagram. I do share some of it on stories, but it, um, and I do collaborations now. I don't do as many as I could probably because a lot of times they just don't fit with my aesthetic and I try really hard, even though, there's money making big time out there. You know, I just, it's not true to my feed or my style. So I have to say no, because I, at the end of the day, I have to stay, I have to stay with my style and true to myself, or it's, I just don't want to be that account that I don't want to call it a sellout, but sometimes that's how it feels. I could do (laughs) crazy collaborations just to make money, but I don't, I try really hard to, um, stay with my style but behind the scenes i do product photography a lot now and um pretty stay pretty busy with that so can you share a little bit about your process in terms of like when you are taking photos of your home or whether it's doing it for a client or a collaboration um do you batch content for instance do you um like do you use any apps in terms of planning your grid you know, I think people always find it really helpful to kind of get a little bit of a behind the scenes insight into how you actually structure, how you take the photos and and how you share them. And even like, you know, what you choose to write about in your captions or, you know, if there's certain topics that you try and stay in or, yeah. Can you just share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I'm not a huge planner when it comes to content. I should probably be better about that as my Instagram gets bigger. But I my my content is usually really seasonal. So you can see on, on my page that it shifts with the seasons pretty blatantly um, because I'm that's just what I'm really naturally drawn to. And uh, I do a lot of photo collage. So I use photo collage a lot to plan my grid just myself to say, okay, I Guys, I'm really picky about what my grid looks like. If you come to my page, I want it to look aesthetically pleasing. I want this picture, you know, to go with that picture that's next to it. Kind of like if you were looking at a collage. So I do use a white border a lot. I use photo collage a lot just to eyeball it before I post it to see if it looks good to the next next picture. Um, content, I try to just do that with seasonal. Like now I'm kind of getting into more of the gardening and planting my garden and people really interested in seeds and my wildflower garden. So I have, um, done more stories lately about that. Um, but that's, that's mostly like some days it's just winging it. It's just, uh, uh, if it's a beautiful sunny day and I'm taking a picture and I'll think, well, I have this picture planned for tomorrow, but gee, I just took this really pretty picture of this flower. So I'm going to do that today. So sometimes I just wing it and have no plan. Um, 
or really some days I don't even have anything to talk about. I know. I mean, sometimes I see this really long captions on, on people's uh, pages and I think, gee, I don't have anything to talk about. today. <laughs> Nothing exciting happened. Um, I worked in the garden, but sometimes, you know, those things are just as interesting as something crazy that happened too. So yeah, I just, I guess it's a mixture of winging it and planning it, but I, I would definitely say I spend more time on the picture itself and planning the picture than anything else. And do you use um, any filters or how do you process your images? Um, I don't use any filters. I usually just edit the, the photo individually. Uh, now that I've done it for so long, I can whip through it in like a minute because I, I, even though I don't use a filter, I, I edit it the same way mostly every time because they're basically, they're, they're white and they all look the same basically. So. Um, I have been asked about presets and making presets, which is something I've thought about doing. Um, but yeah, I, I use Lightroom sometimes, not, but not, uh, I don't have Photoshop or anything like that. It's usually just the raw photo that you see with just a little bit of editing and that's about it. Yeah. So what do you do? Like bump up the exposure and yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a few of those brightness, things? I, I always do brightness, saturation, uh, very, um, saturation sharpness and uh sometimes a little bit of contrast and it's usually the same formula every single time unless it's like a nature photo or outside photo then it's a little bit different but all the white the bright white photos that you see of the inside are usually basically all the same yeah and have you got any tips to share with people in terms of taking photos like what are some of the things when you think about the types of photos you used to take at the start of your journey and the, the way that you take photos now what are some of the tips that you could share with people in terms of you know trying to capture a, a little scene within their home i the biggest thing i can say is i thought the iphone for practice was awesome like i think if you can master the iphone and taking a great iphone picture in angles i'm really big on angles. Like I, pr I probably practice angles more than anything because if you take pictures, you know that, you know, you'll see this image or this, this vignette with your eyeball and you know, that's what you want the picture to look like. But it's very hard sometimes to get what your eye sees, to get what the, the camera picks up. That is like the biggest challenge. I think, and if you, you know, the iPhone is great for that, practicing angles so the picture doesn't look crooked, and, you know, cause that can be kind of like a tricky thing is trying to like, when you look at Instagram, you don't want to look at somebody's pictures that's sideways or crooked. Um, I'm very, very super picky about stuff like that with my own photos. So I would say practice with your iPhone. I tell people that a lot that send me messages about camera tips and photography as I'm like, practice with your iPhone first, because it's, it's easy. You can still get the feeling of how the camera works with your, with angles and things like that. Um, and then kind of switch over to the camera and, and play around with it because um, I do that a lot. I just play. I just set it up. I take 50 different pictures on different angles because even when you, you know, you're taking the photo and you put it on your computer, you're like, oh, that doesn't look anything like I thought, <laughs> I thought it was going to look like. And maybe you get one great photo out of 50. I mean, I do that a lot. But, you know, I just think the key is practice, practice, practice. And if you don't understand something, go to YouTube and go watch something because I learn really well like that. And then I'll just learn it or watch it and then take it to my camera and I'll, and I'll do it that way. And uh, I think that's, I think practice is just key. I mean, there's, you can't practice too much when it comes to your camera. 
and just mess around with it. There's no right or wrong. Mess around with ISO, mess around with F-stop, mess around with aperture, mess around with everything. Cause I, I do it. I still do that all the time. I just think that there's just, you just can't learn enough about it. I, I'll probably take seven. I just got a new camera uh, two months ago and I told my husband, I was like, I'll learn everything here in about five years about that camera. <laughs> you know, it's just going to take me so long to learn about it. Yeah, no, I completely understand. I mean, I think one of the things that's really beautiful about your photos is that I think you really embrace natural light a lot, which I think is something that people don't always understand or appreciate how important natural light is in photos. And I think that that's a, always a beautiful element, the way that you harness light in your images. And um, yeah, and I think, I mean, certainly I, one of the things I always teach, you know, people who do my courses is um, to turn on the grid in terms of your settings. Like you say, that all those angles to make sure you got your lines yes, sort of line. you know matched up. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A, and I always say if there's a line in your room, you can, you know, like I, you have a, a windowsill and it has an angle on it or it has, there's always a line to line something up that you can visualize so it doesn't look crooked. Absolutely. And definitely natural light. I mean, our house is all white and it's tons of windows. So I, um, I always tell, uh, you know, if I have a client or something, I'm going to do product photography for, I said, it's going to be rainy and dark and gloomy here for the next week. I'm sorry, because I, I rely so much on that for my pictures. Like I don't have, you know, false lighting or anything. So everything you see comes from just my windows. Yep. Yep. No, definitely. Um, okay. Well, I wanted to ask you some questions. Um, these are just kind of like quick questions, whatever answer kind of comes to mind. They're what I do at the end of every interview. And I think it's a fun way to get a bit more of an insight into you and your world. So Unfortunately, the first question is always the one that trips people up the most. But anyway, <laughs> I persevere. So just whatever words come to mind, but which five words best describe you? Oh, my. Um, I would say loyal. Um, oh, gosh, that's not how you talk about yourself. Um, loyal, hardworking, um, determined, fun. Um, and how many was that? Four? <laughs> That's four, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, did I already say loyal? Because that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> we can leave it at four. That's okay. <laughs> Actually, it does remind me, though, when you, um, you, I don't know, it just sprung a thought into my head and I know this is something you've spoken about a little bit on Instagram is how you sort of say, um, you, you know, even the other day you were saying like, you don't often share photos of yourself and you kind of reintroduce yourself. And I know that that's something that people struggle with a lot on Instagram, but I also know that that is often the thing that people really connect. Like when you can share a photo of yourself, I feel that it really makes your feed much more personable, not personal. Um, can you share just a little bit about your experience of that? And, and as somebody who has struggled with it, but that you do it because you know, what value you see in that? Um, yeah, it's very hard because I just naturally don't even think about it. I'm not um, a selfie type of a person or anything like that. So to think about taking pictures of myself um, and putting on the Instagram was very awkward. But 
Um, you're right. I want to see the people that I follow. I want to see what they look like. I want to know there was a real person there. So this last year, I made kind of a little pact with myself that I was going to make a point to take more pictures of myself, which I, I take all the pictures of myself with my tripod and a timer. So there's nobody else doing it. So I have to even be more conscious about it when I'm doing it. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I will, and I've, I've learned that you're always more self-conscious about the way you look or, or, or um, what people see than what people are really paying attention to. They're, they're not looking at the things that you're looking at. They're not paying that much attention to the things that you, you feel super critical about yourself. I think they just want to see you and see that there's a real person there. And when they're talking to you and they're messaging you, they know what you look like. And I'm a real visual person. So when I, when I, you know, see somebody's feed, I, I always think, well, I wonder what they look like. I wonder because some feeds have no pictures of, of the people. Um, so yeah, I think you just have to say, okay, oh well, I'm gonna put myself out there, and um, people are, are are gonna like it. They're they're not gonna be critical. They're not. They're just gonna like to see your face, and they're not gonna be looking at the things that you think they're looking at. It's so true, so true. Um, well, which kind of segues nicely into our, the next question, which is um, might not be related, but what's the best life or career lesson you've learned? I would say the best one is something that my mom has told me since I was old enough to understand anything. And that was to stay true to who you are, no matter what, like it's very, very hard. It's very, very hard on social media, especially when you're bombarded with tons of things all the time and be this, do that. This is better, more of this. And, and it's just constant influx of things like that. So stick to yourself and who you are and um no matter what no matter what anybody says no matter if you know you know in your heart and and your gut what's right and what's good for you and always no matter what stick to that i i just i um and it's hard it's hard sometimes and you can stray but i think that's the number one thing to be just successful in life, not even on social media, just, you know, you have to stay true to who you are, no matter what, because at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself. <laughs> no, you know, you have to like yourself before, you know, you can do anything and feel good about it. Yeah, no, completely agree. What's your proudest career achievement? My proudest career achievement would probably be teaching myself photography and how to use my camera because I was so intimidated by it. And I'm probably that person, like a lot of people that think they can't do a lot of things and, you know, do the self-doubt or I'll never be able to do that or I'll never be able to figure that out. And my husband and my mom were good cheerleaders and you can do it and you can, you can do anything you want. You can figure it out. So that's probably um, my biggest one because I, I feel like um, I did it on my own without anybody's help. So that feels really good. Yeah. No, I think it's great. Oh, one day I will join you in saying that too. <laughs> um, what, what's been your best decision? What's um, in, just in general or like so? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. My best decision. Oh, my. That's that's like the um, five things I like about myself. <laughs> it's a hard one. <laughs> um, I'm a really big person that I don't know if this like fits the question, but I am one of those people that's always like, do the right thing, no matter what, no matter if people don't like you, no matter if they think it's silly, no matter if they think it's the dumbest thing they've ever heard. I am like, 
you know, in every situation in life, doesn't matter. It's what is the right thing to do in this situation? I mean, it could be the simplest thing. It could be a most complicated thing. But, you know, if you ask yourself that question, you're always conscious of what you're doing and the decisions that you're making. So I'm, I mean, I really try, especially when I'm doubting myself or I'm getting myself into situations. Like I, I always find myself picking up stray animals and my, my husband will, he'll just say, you know, I'm not even going to ask because I'm always coming home with a dog or a cat or something. But at the end of the day, I'm like, what is the right thing to do in this situation? And if you ask yourself that, you're probably going to make a pretty good decision. And um, I really try to live by that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, yeah, at the core of it, it's living with integrity, isn't it? Like being, which goes back to that idea of like being true to yourself as well. Um, who inspires you? I mean, I know that you said that there's not necessarily a single person that you follow on Instagram, but you know, it might be in the broader scheme of life. It could be somebody quite personal to you. Who who inspires you? Um, I would say my mom inspires me a lot because she's really strong. Um, she's a good person. She's a helpful person. She's a kind person. And my husband inspires me because he's a very supportive person. I don't really have. Um, you know, like celebrities or people on Instagram that, I mean, the, the, you know, there's accounts that inspire me and, and things like that. But when I think of that question, I always think of people personal that have been with me through really bad things and they're still here. So probably those people, my mom, my grandma, my husband, um, the top three, definitely. Yeah. What are you passionate about? I'm passionate about doing the right things. And I know that I just said that in my other question, but that is like, it's so important to me in every aspect of life. Um, I don't know if it's like just a super personal thing, but I just, you know, I wake up and I think what is the right thing to do in this situation? And what, do, you know, I want to be really intentional about my days and, and how I spend my days and my time because when I was younger, you know, I had, you know, I had some issues and some self-esteem issues and I um, really kind of crawled out of that. So now I just like really feel like I, I work on myself and I'm really intentional about my thoughts and how I spend my time, who I spend my time with. Um, so yeah, that that's probably something I'm really passionate about is just, you know, being a good person. Do I struggle at it? Am I good at it all the time? No, but I try really hard every day to be you know, it sounds corny, but the best person that you can be, the best friend, you know? Yeah, no, it's a good answer. Um, what dream do you still want to fulfill? Oh, I still would like to continue the magazine that I started a few years ago. Um, a lot of people still ask me about it. I started this seasonal magazine and a lot of people, I shipped it all over the world. It was, it was actually really crazy, but it was actually really overwhelming because it's a lot of work to do by yourself. It was just me and my friend that were doing it. And, you know, we were, didn't really know what we were doing, but we produced this magazine and people loved it and people bought it, but it was, it's expensive and it's a lot of work. So um, I still hold out hope that one day that might work out. And I could do that again because I really, that's one of the questions I get a lot in messages and on, on my posts is do a coffee table book, do a seasonal book. You know, I want to see your pictures in a book. So I'll hold out hope for that, that one day that might happen. I think you can make it happen. <laughs> um, what are you reading at the moment? Are you reading any books? I don't read books. Um, I like 
um, interior type books, uh, cookbooks. I'm not a big reader. I don't sit still enough, if I'm being quite honest. Um, I'm just not, I've never been a reader like that. I, I like to listen to things like documentaries and things like that. Um, but we don't really have TV or cable or anything, so I don't watch TV either. So I'm a super, super weirdo when it comes to things like that. But I'll watch, we, we didn't have. <laughs> I'll watch things on my phone or my computer at, at night to fall asleep. But yeah, not a not a big reader. What about an interior book? What's been one of your What's favorite your recent books? ones? They're right. Oh. <laughs> um, I love all the country style books. I love all the country living UK the um, rustic country books, modern country. Um, I love uh, Trisha Foley books. She's really big inspiration for me. I love her style. Um, gosh, I, know, I have tons of books out there <laughs> on my shelf. Tons of, that's all there are is uh, cookbooks and <laughs> design books. Yeah, no, I, I can relate to that. Um, what about are you listening to, do you enjoy listening to podcasts? And if so, um, which ones, or do you, you know, what's like the sort of music that you like listening to? Do you listen to music? I listen to podcasts. Um, actually, I, I really never, uh, I don't want to say I didn't know about them, but I've just not, uh, picked up on that. Yeah. I have a friend that listens to them daily and she, I've been interested. I'm like, what are you listening to? Like, that sounds kind of interesting. Maybe I, cause when I'm like doodling around the house, maybe I could like have that in the background. Um, I listen to music a lot because I don't watch TV. I don't really watch movies or anything like that, but I am all over the place with music. I like all kinds of music, all genres, you know, from 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I'm a big 80s person, so I love 80s music. I'm constantly <laughs> maybe stuck in the 80s <laughs> other than the hair. I love the 80s music, so... But I do, I'm constantly having my earphones in and I'm constantly listening to music or watching music video. I love to watch old music videos. I know, it's super corny. <laughs> I love to watch old Prince movie videos or Michael Jackson videos. <laughs> this sounds like fun. I can get that. Um, <laughs> and finally, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Um to uh probably to not listen to people when they try to discourage you from doing things because a lot of times you know it's best you know you always know what's best for yourself and especially when you're younger people are like eh, you know i don't think this or that but you know usually in your gut your instinct can tell you what what's you know what's the right path for yourself and even if it's super different from everybody else or what they're doing i think that um yeah, just uh, don't listen to people. Listen to your, you know, listen to your heart. Listen to what um, your little brain's trying to tell you, the little voice inside your head, and just because uh, you can't really go wrong doing that. I agree completely. Well, thank you so much, Angie. It's been so nice to hear a little bit more about your story and um, yeah, and your creativity and, and all the things that you do. So I really appreciate you taking the time out and um, thank you. Thank you. It was great. I appreciate the invite. It was really fun. All of the links and info you need to access for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast and the people of the Bunjalong Nation where it was recorded. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.